Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What up, y'all? It's time for a life episode. I was listening to my favorite comedian, well, one of my favorite comedians, the other day, Chris D'Elia. <clears throat> I was listening to his podcast and the dude was just talking about his life and he was just, he, that's all he does. He just gets on there and talks. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, he's so funny. And all he's doing is just talking about his life. And there's a lot of value in this too. And I was like, why don't I do that? And maybe like two people think it's funny. <laughs> maybe two people get value from it. Maybe a couple people can relate. If you're here just for the value and just for the guidance I give on stuff, I get it. I support you. You don't have to listen to this. But I'm going to talk about my life and parenting and, and real shit. And I think it's important that a lot of people get to know that side of me. And I want you to because I love, I'm, you know, I'm getting to a place where I really love me. And that's a cool place to be. And I want you all to be there. So maybe me being myself and all of my glory will, will give you the confidence to do the same. I want to tell, I want to tell a story that happened to me this morning. Because, you know, again, I know a lot of you just see what you see on social media. You're like, oh my God, 150, 170, whatever it is, fat thousand followers. And you all automatically label me as like some kind of influencer. I fucking hate that label. I hate it. I'm, I'm, if you scroll down through my profile, you'll see that no more than like three years ago, like I was, I'm still this guy, but I was just like, the content was shitty. Like I was just, you know, I'm just a normal dude. I'm a hillbilly. Okay. Hillbilly that figured out well, I mean, obviously the service that we deliver is very impactful and, and I believe in it and it changes lives and I'm, I'm super grateful to do that. But the other part of it is I just, you know, I, I've come more into myself. I love, I'm a very comedic person and I love showing that as you see in my videos. But let's talk about a few things. This morning, I was, okay, so here's what I do. I usually, I go on a walk to get my steps in, right? I want to walk the walk, no pun intended. And I want to get my steps in because it makes it easier to, to stay lean. And if I do that, the less I walk, the more I have to, like the harder I have to train. And the more I walk, the, you know, I don't have to train as hard. If I do both, I'm crushing it. That's when I look and feel my best. So I'll get my steps in, but I gambled, y'all. So usually, usually I poop before I go for a walk. And, and a little side note here, Heather's tummy fiber. And I'm going to give a nutrition, some nutrition help on this too. Heather's tummy fiber is a prebiotic fiber supplement, but it's a prebiotic, awesome addition to your regimen to increase bowel motility. Like if you're, if you take this and you're going once or twice a day, you've got it. Don't increase dosage, but start with a quarter teaspoon. Go from there. If you're having trouble with bowel movements, if you're not, don't worry about it. It's just a great way to, to help you. We, we recommend it to all of our clients anyway. But the thing is I'm, my bowel movements are kind of like clockwork. And my, my first one, it just falls out of me at like eight, seven thirty AM. Seven between seven and seven thirty a.m. Right before I wake up Denver for school, usually if he's here, I I have this poop and it, it literally just falls out of me. You know, I don't have to strain, I don't have to like, right? But I gambled this morning, and I was like, okay, I really don't have to go yet. I mean, I can feel it, like you know, I can feel it churning in there. I can feel it rumble a tumbling, but I I'm gonna gamble. I'm gonna go for a walk. So I did, and my walk takes about twenty minutes. Well, ten minutes in. It arrived. <laughs> it arrived. And of course, like, so I speed up. I'm like, oh no. I speed up. I'm like speed walking down. Usually I record some Instagram stories when I'm walking. No time. I would have looked really, I would have looked really troubled if I had done that. But of course, I run into two of my neighbors who want to just, who want to talk to me <laughs> on my way, 
on my way back and like I'm conflicted because there's two dudes and I'm trying to cultivate more male relationships in my life. And so I want to talk to them, but at the same time, I'm about to shit my pants. Literally, it's coming out. I can feel it. I'm touching cotton. I'm there. That close. And and he's just like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm like, God damn it. I'm good. How are you doing, man? Oh, how's, how's your kids? How's the family? God damn it. Oh. I'm like, I'm just like straining. So I'm like, I'm like talking, but also walking away at the same time. I, I, and then I meet another, another neighbor. And I know he had to know. Like, you know the poop walk. You know when somebody's like, like bow-legged, like holding it in. Dang, I'm doing this podcast outside, by the way, and it is hot in South Florida. Y'all, it's so hot. I saw a bird blowing on a worm before he ate it earlier. <laughs> I can't take credit for that. I heard that on a TikTok. It was so funny. Anyway, so I made it. I made it. That's good news. I made it. But I knew he, I know he knew because of the way I was walking, like in a hurry. Like nobody walks that fast when they're that close to their house. Like you slow down. Like if you're, if you're exercising, you slow down when you get to your driveway, a little cool off, like walk back. You know, you leisurely walk back in. I was speed walking into my door. I know he knew. If he listens to this, I know you know. Okay. I know you know, because I was clinching, son. You can't clinch walk without it being noticeable, especially when you're six five. I'm already noticeable. So six five clinch walking, that's a that's a that's a that's a vibe. It's a vibe. So yeah, I got in, I made it. That's the good news, y'all. That's the made it. Good, clean, no wiper. I did wipe okay. I, I wipe. I wipe. Relax. I wiped, but I didn't have to, is my point. Anyway. Had a co-parenting win recently. Big co-parenting win. Those of you who are co-parenting, shout out. Shout out to my co-parents. And big shout out to my co-parent. She's probably never going to listen to shit. But if she does, hey, shout out. You're crushing it. We've been, you know, obviously tag team and potty training with Denver. And it's been hard. It's been hard because it's been hard because of the inconsistency created by school. Right? Like we have a way that we're teaching him. And then he goes to school for six hours. And it's, you know, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. They say they're doing it, but who knows? And it's just hard to create consistency. Also, nap time. He's still napping at three years old. I know a lot of you are just got real pissed at me. You're like, oh, fuck you. Because <laughs> your kid doesn't nap anymore. That time has been snatched away from you. But no, he's, he's still consistently naps. I think it's because he's growing. He's like fucking four feet tall. Yo, so when I went home to Tennessee to visit my parents with Denver, there's a spot on the pantry door where we, we my dad measured me, measured my height from when I was like two to when I was like in college, Okay. So it's like a huge chart of height. And we got Denver next to it, or he did. It was his idea. It was beautiful. He, he got Denver next to it. That kid at a at like six months younger than I was in 1993 is three inches taller than I was. And he's six months younger than I was at, in 1993. He's three inches taller than I was at the same age, younger. The kid's a mutant. He's so tall. And all he does is eat and sleep. So getting back to my, my nap stuff, I think that's why he sleeps a lot because he's growing so damn much. It's crazy. He still sleeps 12 hours a night and a nap. The kid sleeps a total of like 15 hours a day, <laughs> which is great for getting work done. Because that's one thing I struggle with is like working when he's here. Sometimes I have to. And how many of you parents like guilt yourself for that shit? Oh my God. He's three years old. He's doing all the darndest things. He's saying all the new things. And so I guilt myself a lot for, for not paying attention to him when I'm working. Well, when I say not paying attention to him, I pay obviously an abundance of attention to him. But when I can't, when I'm unable to because of work, and my team will tell you this, he comes in there a lot, like on group calls and team calls. And, and you know, obviously like I'm, I handle it, but it, he, you know, not being able to play with him in those moments, I feel guilt, right? But someone said something recently, I think it was Lane Norton, actually, a guy that I, I think is a great voice in the fitness industry. 
evidence-based voice, he was talking about how your kids need to see you work. And a lot of guilt associated is kind of useless because we, we, we obviously, we, we create this guilt. We're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not paying attention and they're not getting quality time. They're going to think I neglected them. They're going to grow up with abandonment issues. Like we create this whole spider web of like potential trauma in our heads. And the thing is, they need to see you working. They need to see that, they need to understand that their abundance, their comfort comes from you working. If you didn't work, you couldn't provide that comfort and that living and that food and that sustenance, that nourishment, that safety for them. All that comes from you working. Now, obviously, there's a balance. You don't want to work your life away, right? You don't want to spend all your time creating a career and not create a life. There's a balance there. But I think a lot of us are just well within that balance and don't realize it. We guilt ourselves because we have, like me, I have no comparison. I don't see other dads. I don't see other parents. I have no bar of, of like, I have no measuring stick here of what is healthy. And all I have is what his mom does for, from what I know and what I do. And, and we just do our best, right? And, and I think that we're doing a damn good job because he's, he's, he's killing it. But anyway, potty training, huge win. He, we were, the huge win is this. So I don't want to put the school on blast because he, we actually do love the school that he's at. He's, he's thriving there. He loves it. He has a lot of friends and, and they're doing a good job, but we didn't make the deadline for when he was supposed to be fully, fully potty trained. Now, again, I'm not putting anyone on blast. Like, I, it's, it's just what it is. It's all good. It's all good. They actually handled this very well once it was addressed. But we didn't know that he was supposed to be fully 100% potty trained, meaning wiping, you know, cleaning up after himself, pulling his pants fully up and down, like all the things, right? We didn't know that. He was, by the time summer school rolled around, he was just... He was going to pee on the potty by himself, pulling his pants up, but he wasn't pooping and wiping. We didn't know and washing his hands, right? Not the whole night, like an adult, basically, right? At three years old, which we already kind of thought was lofty, right? For that age group. And we also were skeptical that everyone else was doing it. Anyway, he got put in a, in a class by himself with a bunch of kids that were much younger than him. And that bothered us immensely. And, you know, his mom voiced it to me. I was also concerned. I, you know, put together an email, very professionally worded. And we got it fixed, right? We got it, got everything fixed. Now we're all on the same page and he's, he's killing it again. And we got him, we got everybody on the same page with potty training and he's good to go now. He's pooping, he's peeing, he's, we're celebrating. It's fucking awesome. But the co-parenting win was, you know, like just, I'm so grateful to be able to work as a unit for our son. And like, do we come together so well? It's, it's like, it is like a WWE tag team when something needs to get done for that boy. Like we, absolutely just crush it. And it's, it makes me so happy. It makes me emotional because it's one of the things I'm most proud of in my life is our parenting with him. Like it's, it's cool. And when two people can come together and do that despite differences in the past or a relationship not working out, it's an awesome thing. And I also acknowledge that's not the norm. Unfortunately, I know a lot of you are in really bad dynamics or not, not so healthy. And, and I'm just really thankful for that. Like, you know, speaks volumes for her, speaks volumes for me, speaks volumes for therapy and the willingness to, to do what's needed for him to thrive. And he's fucking loving it, man. So just really happy. It was great. It's a great win to get him potty trained and get him crushing it. He's so excited to, to do that. And, and we always FaceTime, FaceTime his, his grandparents. She FaceTimes her grand, her parents and we celebrate with him. And it's just the shit, dude. And we hype him up, man. We hype him up, dude. First time he pooped on the potty, I was like, on the potty because I remember like my parents did that for me when I pooped on the potty my grand my grandfather was there for some reason everyone came in they had a they had the camcorder and like back then there wasn't like small camcorders right it was the big ass like black 
thick, thick and black, thick and black camcorder. <laughs> it was. It was one of those big, like clunky cameras that we used to have back in like the 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 nineties. And so they all came parading in. My grandfather was there for summer. He's like, "Hey, man!" That's what he said. That was his way of expressing. Like praise, he'd be like, "Hey man, hey go dad, hey dad." He called her by dad. It was a thing back then. Anyway, shit was awesome. So we hype him up. We hype him up. What else? What else? I realized that I I don't need my truck. <laughs> I bought this truck back in February. I traded. Well, I should say I traded my truck for. A, I traded up. I got a nicer truck. I traded the one I had, which is already decent. And I don't need this truck. It's a it's a Roush F one fifty, and it's that's too much truck. I don't know why I have it. It's I know why I got it. I know why I got I got it to impress somebody, and that was dumb. <laughs> that was super dumb. Um, and I just don't I don't need it. You know, I'm really I'm I'm trying to build wealth right now, and obviously, you know, with a with a liability, well, with a depreciating asset, we'll say. Trucks hold their value, but this thing is too much truck, man. It's a V eight. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not even towing anything. What am I doing? I be, I never use the bed. Never do. You know, everybody knows somebody with a truck, but I I never, I never use the bed. I don't haul anything. So I'm a downsize. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna downsize. That's what I decided there. I'm just moving to this part of my life now where I, I give less of a shit what people think of me and and what like impressing people. You know, I think we all do that, especially in Florida. It's easy to do. Everybody's like keep up with the Joneses, right? And so, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to trade down. I'm going to get something that's smaller, better on gas, and it makes way more sense for where I'm at in life. You know, all needs a backseat for the for the child, you know? So that's what I'm going to do. Yo, shout out to this, this company called Aloha Ranger. This isn't really going to appeal to a lot of you women, but maybe it will your husbands if they were in the military. Aloha Ranger is a company op- owned and operated by Rangers, Army Rangers. So obviously I support them and they have killer stuff, man. They got swim trunks. I got a phone case from them. I got a garden sign from them. I got a blanket for Denver. From, they got all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, if you're not really friends with anybody that's a ranger, it's really kind of irrelevant. I just saw my phone case and wanted to celebrate. Tattoos. I got a Deadpool tattoo. Halfway done. So, story behind my tattoos. Just, just so you all know. Not a long story, but like, I recently started going down to a guy in Miami for my last three, Iron Man, Thanos, and Deadpool. And he's fucking awesome. And he's. I'm going to get him to finish my sleeves. He's just really good at like the 3D colorful aspect of the tattoos. And he's just been crushing it. So, But I bit off so much more than I could chew with these tattoos because it started out, I got my forearms done. And I was like, I'm, okay, that's all I'm going to do. But then I wanted more. And it's so painful, y'all. Like it's so, so painful. My first tattoo artist, Derek, who's actually one of my good friends, uh, <laughs> that motherfucker didn't tell me that there was numbing cream you could use until I was like six tattoos in. I've got 13 now. And he waited till tattoo six to tell me I could numb myself within the first, you know, hour or two. It wears off, but still that makes a huge difference. And he even waited until I did the most painful part of my body, the inner elbow. This okay, so like I have Wolverine on my left arm, and the the kneecap part is on that. It's like his kneecap is on that elbow part. Like it hurts so fucking bad. And then after that one, he was like, hey, you know, I could use numbing cream. I'm like, numbing cream? I was like, why didn't you tell me? He was like, well, you had to earn it. I was like, dude, <laughs> serious? Shout out to Derek. 
Shout out to Derek. Speaking of Derek, I played Dungeons and Dragons a few months ago. He, he invited me and I, and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, why not? And I learned a lot <laughs> about that game. Really cool people, like super nice guys. Obviously, we're all nerds. And I learned this about Dungeons and Dragons. You make up the rules. There, there are no rules. I, when I just yelled like that, like I'm outside and a bunch of lizards just skittered around when I yelled. <laughs> That's South Florida. Anyway, you make up the rules. So I'm like sitting here nervous, okay? And also, I was a little also nervous because we were all, we were all smoking a little smoky smoke. And I get real paranoid when I do that, right? And I, I forgot that I get paranoid, but I wanted to fit in. So I smoked, I smoked a little bit of weed with them. And the only thing that was going through my head was, oh my God, they know that I don't know what I'm doing and they don't want me to come anymore because I don't know the rules. I don't know what I'm doing. They think I'm some meathead that's just here to like, they, they don't, they don't, you know, all these stupid thoughts were going through my head. So I was really worried because there's so many, like, it seemed like there were so many rules because they're talking about damage and health and magic and all these things. And I was like, I, I was like, oh my God, like when it gets, when it's my turn, what am I going to say? I was so nervous. And I was like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I have to like, I have to, I'm trying to like absorb all the rules and, there, and it's like the more rules I learned, the more rules there were. And I was like, Jesus, there's, there's no way I can learn all this, right? So it gets to me. And I think that at that point, like our team was like in a cave or some shit. And, and one of the guys was like being held up by some vines by an enemy. And so they were like, what are you going to do, Maverick? And I was like, they're like, you have, you roll your dice. What are you going to do? So I rolled the dice and I got like an eight. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And I was like, I'm going to go and cut those vines down and hit that motherfucker in the face with an axe. And they were like, oh, shit. And they like all like went off and like, they were like, damn, Mav. And Derek was like, I knew you were going to be good at this game. And I was like, I have no idea what I just did. Are you serious? And that's when I learned you're just making it up as you go. <laughs> that's the thing. That is what Dungeons and Dragons is. I'm sure there are actual like rules and regulations, but there's really not. You actually just make them up as you go. There's like a dungeon master and our dungeon master was the shit. Apparently a lot of the game hinges on how cool the dungeon master is. And our dungeon master was awesome. He was doing the voices. He was like making it exciting. So that shit was actually really cool. You know, it was actually like dungeon. You think dungeons and dragons, like that's the nerdiest shit ever. It's actually pretty fucking cool because it's like so open-ended. And it's like an adventure together. And you just completely go to imagination land. So it was actually pretty cool. I will say. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. There was a cat in there though. And I'm super allergic. So I had to bounce. I had to bounce because I was getting all stuffy nose. And if I get stuffy nose, I won't get REM sleep. Speaking of REM sleep, I have prescription micronized melatonin. Oh my God. Y'all. So my, my telehealth clinic will offer this, which I'm super excited about. But... Over-the-counter melatonin is trash. Trash. It's trash, just like most over-the-counter stuff, right? Prescription micronized, meaning the most bioavailable, absorbable form. Melatonin, holy shit, dude. So like, I track my sleep with a whoop strap. I track it. It's primarily to track my sleep. You can do a lot of other stuff with a whoop strap. You can track your exercise, stuff like that. And I do look at my strain and then try to recover accordingly. However, I mostly use it for sleep. And it tracks my REM and my deep sleep, okay? When I started, before I started the, the prescription melatonin, I was sleeping probably, I don't know, probably getting like an hour and a half to two hours of combined REM and deep sleep. Two different sleep states, REM and deep sleep, right? Combined, I was getting like an hour and a half to two hours per night. It doubled. The, the night I started taking this melatonin, it doubled. 
and it's been doubling ever since. And I feel amazing. I'm getting stronger. I have much more energy throughout the day. I don't hit a crash in the afternoon. I need less caffeine. I feel happier. I have, it's, it's like so much energy for activities. It's amazing. So if you have access to an anti-aging clinic, a hormone replacement therapy clinic, get your ass some prescription melatonin. You don't need that much. You need like two to three grams to five grams. I take 20 because I'm a big boy. I'm a big ass boy, right? But you don't need that much. And, and you can actually, where it really comes in handy is traveling because you can actually delete jet lag with it. It's fucking awesome. You take about an hour before bed, hour and a half before bed to ensure that you're not groggy in the morning and you just go off to dreamland. Now, let me just hit on this. The dreams. Holy fuck, dude. That's the trade-off. The dreams are vivid. The good dreams are great. The bad dreams are real bad. I had a dream that my mom got possessed by a demon and flung herself off of a third-story balcony and I had to go and console her and she was just convulsing on the ground. It was wild. And I had when I woke up at 4 a.m. from this dream, I wanted so badly to call her and console her. Because I thought that she was possessed. I had to make sure. I had to like, I want to call her. I did, I, I did. The next day I called her. I was like, hey, how are you? She's like, good. And I was like, good, good, excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. So the dreams are wild. But yeah, prescription micronized melatonin. Don't worry. I'm going to do a fully fledged episode all about hormones for you all. As I go to these seminars and learn more and more and more, I am going to be equipped to change the world. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Anyway. Yeah, I'm going to solve menopause for women. It's going to be the shit. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that. What I just said sounded crazy. It is. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to change the world. It's going to be fucking awesome. Y'all remember this. Y'all remember this episode where I said that? I'm going to change menopause for women forever. And I'm so excited for it. Because women don't get any fucking help. When you go to the doctor for menopause, a lot of them just say, like, and you're depressed from the hormone deficiency, which it is a hormone deficiency. We just Let's just view menopause for what it is. It's a hormone deficiency. You lost progesterone, you lost estradiol, testosterone, DHEA, and now your cortisol is higher because of the lack of DHEA, because cortisol and DHEA have an inverse relationship. You've lost estradiol, you've lost progesterone, you have no vaginal lubrication, you have no ambition, you have no confidence, you have no sex drive. Why do we just let that happen? And why is it that we treat men so readily? And it's because, well, there's primarily men in these PhD programs and, and you know, like, of course, and understandably, they're more interested in men's issues, right? But like women get no help with menopause. They stay symptomatic. They don't get treated. And if they're depressed from menopause, doctors put them on what? Antidepressants and SSRI. And it doesn't solve the hormone deficiency that's causing the depression in the first place. Now, I'm not saying 100% of people are, are depressed because of hormone deficiency, but I'm saying a good percentage of women in menopause are depressed from hormone deficiency. And it's being misdiagnosed and treated with fucking SSRIs. Again, SSRIs have their place. Or you all lose your fucking minds on me. SSRI have their place. But a lot of times you're misdiagnosed. And when we correct those deficiencies by prescribing thyroid hormone or estradiol or progesterone, depending on the stage of life you're in, women over 40 typically need estradiol. Women under 40 do not, right? So when we replenish the hormones that are deficient, guess what? No more symptoms or much improved symptoms. Thyroid's a big one. Did you all know there's a mountain of literature showing that when prescribed Zoloft, in conjunction with T3, the, the efficacy of the, T, of, the, of the Zoloft is exponentially better and not vice versa. What does that tell us? It tells us that having sufficient thyroid hormone, optimal T, free T3 levels, namely, is associated with less depression. But you didn't know that. But I'm going to tell the world. Anyway, 
So I'm really excited about it. Really, really excited. I love having these conversations with women. I love the opportunity here. I can't wait to be on TV for it. Not, not to be famous, but to, to spread the word, to, to impact women. It's going to be fucking awesome. I love it. Anyway, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we'll be on TV. I, don't, I could care less about being on TV because like, social media is bigger than TV now anyway, but it doesn't matter if it happens, it happens. Cool. Cool. So anyway, my tattoos. So like, I have 13 Marvel tattoos. Those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I fucking love Marvel. I love it. I, I love mostly the James Gunn directed Marvel movies. He's the best director by far. He directs Winter Soldier through Endgame and then he directs all the Guardians movies. This is why they're so fucking good. You know, pre-Disney Marvel was, was the shit, I will say. I love them. But I'm also a huge fan of the comics. Huge fan of the comics. So since I know all the lore, not all the lore, I know a lot of the lore. I know all the little Easter eggs. For instance, I'm going to blow y'all's minds. If you if you're even like if you've watched the Marvel movies, if you you know if you know anything about them, you know Black Widow. Everybody knows Black Widow, right? Scarlett Johansson, Winter Soldier, who is my favorite Marvel character by far. Winter Soldier is by far my favorite Marvel character. Now, a lot of you don't realize, a lot of you don't know that Winter Soldier and Scarlet and, and 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 Black Widow have a romance in the past. They had a romance when when Black Widow was trained to be a spy, Bucky. Winter Soldier was one of the instructors at that academy she was at, at that, at that facility. And they had a, a love fling, right? Now, why does this matter? Well, there is a part in, I think, Civil War where Bucky's losing his fucking mind because someone uttered the 12 phrases that make him a Winter Soldier. So he's like cleaning house. I think it was, what's his name? Shit, Zemo. Baron Zemo, whatever. He, he got it. He broke in acting like he was going to ask, you know, Winter Soldier some questions, but then he just uttered those 12 phrases, makes him lose his mind, start kicking everybody's ass, right? Awesome scene. Just beats the shit out of Falcon, which I love seeing Falcon get his ass beat because <laughs> it's like he's a shitty character. Anyway. <laughs> no, no. Actually, Falcon's okay. I, I actually really do like Falcon. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, in my opinion, the best Marvel show, right? It's right up there with like Daredevil and a couple others. Moon Knight. But like... <laughs> It was just funny to see him get his ass beat. My actual least favorite Marvel character is Don Cheadle as War Machine. Dude, Don Cheadle is not a superhero, bro. I know he's in the suit. And I know that like Robert Downey Jr. isn't much of a like a super like a stereotypical superhero either, but he he's probably the best casted Marvel character, in my opinion. But Don Cheadle, bro, Hotel Rwanda? Come on. Not a could have used somebody different, man. Could use like Will Smith or like fucking, I don't know. Cuba Goodings Jr., like somebody. Wesley Snipes, I don't know. Don Cheadle, bro, come on. Anyway, whatever. He, he's, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. He's, a, he's great in other movies, but he's not Iron Patriot, War Machine. Not Iron Patriot, that's the other guy. He's not War Machine. So uh, anyway, back to, back to Black Widow and, and Winter Soldier. So there's a scene in Civil War where he's cleaning house. And at one point, he's fighting Black Widow briefly because he's just beating the shit out of everybody. And he body slams her on table. And there's a second where she goes, you don't remember me? Now, up to this point, they haven't really conversed, those two. Not in Winter Soldier, not in Civil War. They haven't conversed yet. Right? So, like, this is a completely random moment. And if you don't understand the, the history those two have, it won't land. You'll just be like, ah, whatever. You won't even notice it. But he slams her on the table and she goes, you don't remember me? And she's referencing their love fling from back when she was trained to be a spy. That's a comic reference. So if you don't read the comics, you will miss that completely. So that's the cool part about knowing the comics. Since I knew that, that scene hit me. I was like, oh, shit. 
And they make several little references like that throughout the movies. A lot of their catchphrases, right? Like Captain America is like, I can do this all day, right? What's another one they have? I'm with you till the end of the line. The thing he tells Bucky, right? Like that's that's all comic stuff. Um, so there's a lot. There's like a lot of with Deadpool and Wolverine. There's a lot of comic references there. They're, they're, they do a lot of stuff in the comics together. And there's even a lot of carryover. There's some stuff that doesn't translate to the films. Like for instance, Wolverine is a so Wolverine is as Logan is actually a part of Captain America's squad. You know the squad that he goes with with Winter Soldier. Like you know this is like the first Captain America movie. When him and Bucky and like there's like four other guys, Teddy Roosevelt and a couple other guys. Logan's actually a part of that squad in the comics. It's very vaguely referenced, but he is, but he's not in the movies. So that's one thing they miss. There's just, you know, there's some tie-ins that don't quite make it. I don't know if like, I don't know if the right, how the rights worked out. If like they had the rights to X-Men at that point, if they could have even put Logan in those movies. And also like Iron Man, like the first Captain America and like the first Hulk, those, those were like, we, we didn't even know if Marvel was going to pan out in the MCU at that point. They were like, let's just try it and hopefully it lands this time. Because I don't know if y'all know this, but there was a Captain America movie in the 90s that was god-awful. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, and by the way, the Edward Norton Hulk, the first one, they, we just acquired rights to that. So there's a chance that Edward Norton Hulk could come back because we have the multiverse going on now, which would be awesome. Because in my opinion, Edward Norton is the best Hulk. It was That was a brutal, awesome Hulk movie. The first Hulk movie. I think he's the best Hulk. Nothing against, oh, what's this guy's name? Nothing against the, the current Hulk. I can't remember his actual name. You know, the guy who plays Banner. Shit. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Can't remember his name. Nothing against him. But Edward Norton really, you know, he... he he turned down, I think, the contract or something like that, or Marvel did. It was one of the two. Either Marvel turned it down or he turned it down. I can't remember, but he didn't continue and they brought new guy in. Who, again, does a, does a decent job. It's, it's not even his fault, actually. It's They just completely pussified the Hulk in, in the new Avengers movies. All right, I'm done talking about Marvel now. I know y'all probably... Are y'all still here? Okay. <laughs> you can skip that part if you want. I'm just nerding out. But that's me. That's me. That's what I love to talk about. That's what I love to do. Yo, oh my God, the new Zelda game. Holy, holy tits. Okay. So I, I grew up on Zelda, right? This new Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom, even if you're not a fan of Zelda, it's a badass game. And here's why. Obviously, like it's it's just like what was the other one? Shit. Something about the wind. Breath of the Kingdom. Breath of the Wind. Breath of the Wind, yeah. Breath, Breath of the Wild. Fuck. Breath of the Wild. Okay, that was the, the other one. Tears of the Kingdom is the newest one. It's, it's got the same shit from that one, but they added shit. So, like, the coolest thing about this game, I'm going to talk very briefly about it. The coolest thing about this game is they give you these little challenges. And just to give you an example, like, they're like, okay, we need, here's a big-ass zip line, and we need you to get from point A to point B. Here's a hook and a two-by-four, and you have the ability to, to, to join stuff together to, like, basically like weld stuff together and create things to accomplish these challenges. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's just you get from here to here. I don't care how you do it. And the way that you do that is unique to you. And so to create, to build something, to accomplish these challenges is this new concept they've introduced because the physics engine is amazing. And sometimes you royally fuck it up. And sometimes you make this hodgepodge of a machine or a, or a contraption that makes it to the other side or the, to the objective. And it's just so fun because there's like, every, like you get 10 people in a room, 10 people will do it completely differently. It's so cool. 
and I'm a hillbilly. So like some of my contraptions look like dog shit, but they get the job done. It's amazing. Like they're like, okay, here's a river you get from, from one side to the other. And they'll give you like a, a, f- a few logs and a fan. And you're like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to create three logs that are like joined together to make a raft. And then I'm going to put a fan that blows in the direction I want to go. But then somehow the fan offsets the weight and you can't steer the damn thing. So it like goes too fast and like sub like submerges on the way there. Then you drown. So you're like, oh shit. Well, now I got to put four logs together. So it's like strategy. It's so cool, man. It's so cool. And I, I'm, I love it. And it's cool because like sometimes before Denver goes to bed, before I read to him, we'll play that for like 30 minutes and he'll like be trying to help me. He'll be like, dada, dada. So let's, and if I die, he's like, just try again, dada. Just try again. Dude, he says the, the, the funniest stuff. Oh my God. He says the funniest stuff. He's, he's so sweet. So like after he got potty trained, after he successfully like did use the potty at school, he was like, he just makes announcements, right? Like we'll be on the way home and he'll be like, dada. I'm in the class with my friends because I go big boy potty. Dada. He starts and ends his sentences with dada. It's beautiful. But he's like, dada. I go big boy potty, dada. And then he also will state his own reward for said pottying. He'll go, dada. I go big boy potty, so I get surprised, dada. I'm like, well, now you do because you're adorable. You have whatever you want. Here's a blank check, right? Any number on it. You know? God, I love that fucking kid. He's the greatest. He's the greatest. He's the greatest baby. I used to sing a song to his mom and it was really short. It goes a little something like this. Yeah, we made it. Mm, made the greatest baby. You know? It's like the, you know, knock off of the real song. Yeah, we made it. World's greatest baby. You know? Anyway, he's the best. He's the greatest. He, uh, we're also teaching him about penises and vaginas. And he's not quite, hasn't quite got that one yet. He, he, he'll say that Dada has a vagina and Mama has a penis. And, you know, we'll have to tell him it's the other way around. But, He's getting there. We'll get it. You know, we'll get it. He's also very curious, right? So, like, you know, if I'm if I'm getting in the shower and, and he's he sees me, I can tell he's like staring at the, my parts, you know. And and I'm like, I'll just take that opportunity to be like, Dad, Dad has a penis. Denver has a penis. Mama has a vagina. You know, teaching him, you know, men and women have, you know, whatever. And so it's funny because he just. He just doesn't, you know how kids are, they just like stare and they just like don't know what to fucking make of things. <laughs> he does the same thing with his mom. Like he'll just like grab her boob out of nowhere. He called, he called nipples nichols for the longest time. You know, those of your parents get it. And just, they just, they're crazy. They just, kids live in truth, man. That's all it is. They just live in complete truth and they don't hide. They don't hide what they, what they see, what they feel, what they think. They don't hide it for the most part at this age, at least. And they have intuition. Really, really cool. It's really cool to just dumb things down. Not dumb it down, but just simplify things so like living in truth. What is true for you moment to moment? How many of us actually live that? You know, How many of us hide the truth just to get something we want or to not be judged or to get some perceived approval? You know, And kids don't do that. They're just living in truth 24-7. I love it. Like I, I went to a school the other day to give a little class on nutrition, which what kind of class can you give to three-year-olds? You know, it's basically just making them pay attention. <laughs> like holding their attention is the class for me. But they were just super honest about like everything. So I was like, at one point, someone was like, I like blueberries. I'm like Blueberries are great. They have a lot of vitamins and fiber. And guess what fiber is good for? It helps you poop. And they're like, ooh, gross. I was like, yeah, I know, but it's true. And one girl was like, I poo-poo every single day. And I was like, that's great. And they just, they literally just stay what in that truth mode, you know? What is truth? I know you moms are sitting here like, yep, 
Yup. Ain't tell me nothing. I don't know. You know, you get it. You get it. Hey, why y'all get so pissed off at my videos? <laughs> I know the majority of you don't. I know the majority of you understand that a lot of what I do is satirical and it's made to outrage. But those of you who don't, relax. Let's take this smut video, for instance. Yo, y'all will bend. When I say y'all, I mean those of you who this applies to, not everybody. But a lot of you all will bend over backwards to miss the point of a video. The point of that smut book video was that if it bothers you that your husband or partner watches porn and you voiced concern about it, but you read smut, it's kind of the same thing. So don't do a double standard. That's the point. Communicate, talk about it. That's the point. The point wasn't to shame you for looking at smut books. I could give a fuck less what you do. I don't care. Do your thing. If that cultivates more intimacy for you, if you guys share that and it's part of it, great. But so many of you felt the need to like defend your smut to me like I was taking it away from you. It's like, did you even watch the whole video? I think, I think like, and then, you know what? You don't because it's indicated there's metrics that show the average watch time. And on like a two and a half minute video, the average watch time is like 45 seconds, if that. So I know the majority of you don't watch the whole video. Otherwise, you wouldn't leave the trigger jizz in my comments. <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm not taking Pilates away from you when I say that it's not optimal for body composition change. I'm telling you what's most effective. You can do both. You can lift weights and do Pilates, right? It's the same thing. I think it just comes down to two things. One, and I'm, I'm not doing this to sound mean. This is a fact. Our nation reads at a sixth grade reading level. And so reading comprehension is at an all-time low and so that's why my content gets simpler and simpler because the more complex it gets, the more under misunderstanding there is. And so I try to keep it very simple. But when I take a firm stance on something, everybody just fucking shits their pants, which is great because it boosts the videos. I don't care. If you trigger comment, it's going to get more traction anyway. I actually do it to promote dialogue in the comments as long as it's healthy. Like the whole vegan thing. Jesus. Some, some, one lady got so triggered, she wished Roundup upon everyone's family. That was rough. So it comes down to two things. One is, is, you know, lack of reading comprehension skills. Two is lack of ability to emotionally regulate. Like you've given me control of your emotions. You're like, he makes me mad. Well, that statement alone tells me that you don't have control of your emotions. You've let me control your emotions. You're like saying that I have the power to make you mad. It's like, okay, you can still get mad, but what you do after your behavior to deal with it and then broadcast it, that's all on you, sis. That's something that you got to control. You know, I'm, I'm not responsible for regulating your triggers. You are. And I think it's just like a small piece of like what the internet has become. It's like, and, and content creators know this. They're like, they're using it to their advantage, myself included. Like, I know this video is going to piss a lot of people off and it's probably going to generate a lot of engagement. And that engagement is going to bring more people to my profile, which then they will see the actual message that I'm getting across, which is empowerment of women through intuitive eating and having control of your body and you know empowering yourself with body confidence, self-love, all those things. That's what we're actually doing, but if if I don't get seen, none of that gets put out there. So in order to get seen, you have to get attention on social media and to get attention you have to take a stance. And when you take a stance, you're welcoming the heat, baby. And so I'm I'm I'm, you know, thicker skin has been developed and perspective has been developed that you, I I still struggle sometimes with hateful comments, right? Hateful comments still get to me sometimes. I know it's a reflection of the struggle that person has, obviously. 
It's like every hateful comment is an admission of inferiority or an admission of an unhealed wound. It's all it is, is you're just broadcasting an unhealed wound when you make a hateful comment or you, you know, broadcast your triggers, right? It's just an unhealed wound. And there's so many people walking around with unhealed wounds, right? Ma- male and female. There's, there's toxic femininity, there's toxic masculinity, there's unhealed feminine, there's unhealed masculine. It's the same shit. It's all unhealedness, right? And I, and in my position, I see way more of the unhealed feminine because it's just, you know, that's who I, that's who my audience, my audience is primarily women. So I see a hell of a lot of unhealed feminine and it's just as damaging as toxic masculine. Let me just tell you, it is just as damaging. It is, it's narcissistic, it's toxic, it's, it's manipulative. It's just, it's all the things, right? And it's, but it's again, the common denominator here, unhealed wounds. I remind them of someone who has hurt them. I remind them of an ex-husband. I look like their ex in some way. Usually it's just like we have tattoos or something because you're not dating a six five blonde guy. Like, come on. Um, there's not many, there's not many of us walking around. But I, I get a lot of, the reason I say that is I get a lot of messages. You look just like my husband. Like, do I? Send me a picture. And it's like some guy who's like five four. Like, what? Anyway. That's what cracks me up about people saying I look like Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> I'm like a foot taller than that guy. But I get what you're saying. Like the beard, the eyes. Yes, we do. We do favor each other. And he's a sexy dude. Charlie Hunnam is sexy, dude. Holy shit. Charlie Hunnam is sexy. You know who else is sexy? Obviously, Chris Hemsworth. Jason Momoa is sexy. Tom Hardy's sexy. Justin Timberlake's sexy. I think Sebastian Manistalco is sexy. I do. And I think it's mostly like his personality. Like as a stand-up comedian, he's just... The confidence, man, the Italian confidence that guy has. He's like, oh, that is, that is it, dude. You know, who else is sexy? Who else is sexy? Oh, Henry Cavill is sexy. I think his voice, you know, The Witcher was, he was a good role for him. Superman too. He's the best Superman ever, in my opinion. I think Ben Affleck's sexy. I do. I know he's got a lot of personal battles, but I think he's a sexy dude. Who else? Who else is sexy? Anthony Jeselnik, I think, is a sexy dude. Yeah. All right, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Enough. Jesus. What about women? What women do I think are sexy? Dude, this is so hard for me because I don't know them. I don't know them. I don't care. Like Scarlett Johansson, for instance, right? I used to think she was really, really hot. I don't know how she is as a person. You know, I care a lot more about that now. Obviously, yes. Oh, this is what I wanted to talk about with you all. I got in a healthy debate about this with one of my coaching team. We were like talking about point being, don't get butthurt about my content. Okay. And if you get butthurt, it's just, you know, it's okay. I get, actually, okay. Here's, here's the thing. You can be butthurt. You can be, you can be triggered. You can be all those things. That's okay. But just realize that bring it back to like what I'm in this for, which is the betterment of women, the empowerment of women. And if it's a funny satirical video, that's not even remotely related to nutrition, it's just that. Like some of you must be the same type of people that go to a stand-up comedy show, pay for the ticket, and then tweet the comic after because they said something that offends you. It's comedy. Comedy is the last frontier against cancel culture. It's all we've got. Everything else has been canceled into the ground. So stand-up comedy is the last frontier where people can still come together and laugh about common issues and struggles and like racial stuff and gender stuff and political stuff. We can all just laugh together, right? Don't take yourself so seriously. That's all that I'm doing with a lot of my content. I don't, I hardly take anything seriously. 
So like if I say something and it ruffles your jimmies, just know that I'm not trying to offend you. Okay. I'm trying to probably spark some engagement. There's going to be people who, who don't know. The people who come and they hate, just don't, they don't know who I am. It's like seeing my content for the first time. And it also depends on how viral a piece of content goes. Like for instance, Instagram are my homies. Instagram are my people. That's my, that's my community of women who know the deal. They've followed me for a while and they fuck with me, right? I love you ladies. I love the tribe that I have built on Instagram because you all, you all understand. You all have been around long enough to know what I'm in this for and, and who I really am <laughs> and, and what my message is all about, actually. And you understand that I'm, I'm on your team. Now, if it goes viral enough to where people who have never seen me see the posts, those are the people that come in guns a-blazing because they, <laughs> they just have no idea who I am. And to them, I'm just like this overly muscular douche nozzle who's just speaking to women in a very condescending way. And if this is a mom, right? A lot of those women end up being clients <laughs> because they see the content, they're pissed off, and then they take a while to browse through. And over time, they're like, oh, this guy's actually not an asshole. He's actually like, I get it. I actually relate with a lot of what he's saying. He's actually vulnerable. He's actually well-spoken. He's articulate. He understands women's issues. And he actually truly, genuinely wants to help and has the knowledge and the platform to do so. And so that's like the cycle that women, a lot of women go through. They come, they trigger, they're triggered initially. They come to the profile. They see that what I'm all about. They see the results. They see the women in the testimonials. And they're like, oh shit. Okay. This guy's actually pretty cool. I fuck with him. But other platforms aren't so much. So like Facebook, for example. Facebook, if something goes viral on Facebook, it's the equivalent of me putting my post in the middle of a fucking Walmart at 2 a.m. You ever been in a Walmart at 2 a.m.? You've seen the caliber of folks that are in there. Everyone kind of walks with a limp for some reason, right? That's who sees that post. And the comments are insane. Like the mean comments video that I did, mostly Facebook people. I think it was actually all Facebook people. And I don't know what it is about Facebook versus Instagram. It's just the algorithm, the way it works. I just don't have a community on Facebook like I do on Instagram. And the people are just brutal. It's mostly dudes saying steroid stuff. Like every, that's like the, that's like the patented, that's, <laughs> that's like the classic male comment who's just seeing my, my content. He has no idea like who I am or what I do or what I'm about. He's just like steroids immediately because I emasculate him. The second he lays eyes on me, he's like, oh my God, look at this guy. He looks better than me. It must be steroids, right? In his mind, I'm just saying what goes through his mind. I, I could give a shit less, right? But it's just, it's funny to me because they think that rubs me the wrong way. They think that gets under my skin. Oh, if I say steroids, I'm going to, I'm going to, that'll, that'll get him. Like that's going to ruin my day. Hey, dude, people have been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> people were saying that to me in high school. And for a while, it was true. I did use steroids in my 20s for sure. Absolutely. In abundance. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not for a long time. Just a hormone replacement therapy, which some people think is steroids, but it's not. It's just replacing the levels of testosterone that that you should have, right? Because I have low testosterone naturally. But I feel no, I feel no need. I'm not interested in justifying that. It is what it is, you know. Because regardless of if I'm on, that's what people don't realize. Regardless of if you're on steroids or not, you have to work your dick off or your vagina off to to look great. You really do. You, I mean, steroids are like kerosene on a fire. A fire doesn't burn without the oxygen. And the, the logs and the fuel, right? Which is your food, your nutrition, your training. The fire doesn't burn without that. Kerosene just makes the fire burn brighter. That's it. But if you don't have that fuel, kerosene doesn't do shit. You can't throw kerosene on a wet fire. That's how I always describe steroids to people, right? Just make you more of what you already are. Just like the super soldier serum. Captain America is just a juiced up dude. 
<laughs> the other day. Anyway, right. So, fuck was I going to talk about? Oh, the, the triggered from the content. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I get it. It is what it is. I love you all. And, and I've, your like mean comments only like bolster my armor. You know, like I just, over time, I get, I get really, really desensitized. I've gotten desensitized to it. Like somebody could be on my content and be like, fuck you, motherfucker. And I'd be like, love you. <laughs> you know, like you're just, just an unhealed soul. You know, you're just an unhealed, Soul and a human body having a human experience, man. And I still got love for you. Or woman. My love is women too. A lot of it. Because with women, it's like, I rem- again, I remind them of someone who hurt them or has mansplained to them and they don't like it. They just, they're not even mad at me. They're still mad at that guy. <laughs> I just happen to take the punishment. So yeah, you know, that's it. Anyway, I'm going to go to a cardio drumming class. You heard that right. I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna, I signed up for it just to do something new. I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just gonna go. I got a shower too because I've been sweating out here talking to y'all on my patio. I love you all. That was my life update. Things are great. Things are awesome. Life rips. Your life rips too, whether you know it or not. It fucking rips. Remind yourself of that. Be grateful. Live in gratitude. When you're, when you're grateful for what you have, the universe will give you more. Okay. So be grateful. I'm grateful to speak to you all. I appreciate you listening. Have an amazing rest of your day. We'll talk again soon. Toodles. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.